folks. That's just uh, wonderful, wonderful to hear you guys play again. I'd like to pray, and the word that keeps coming back to me this year is a, a word I got from just a wonderful believer named Pat Moe. And Pat Moe, she just embodied uh, uh, what I call nevertheless faith, and she continued to use the word nevertheless. It's been a challenging year for all of us here, and we've faced a lot of crazy stuff, everything from politics to economics to COVID to fill in the blank. And a lot of us are not going to be able to travel like we normally do and see the people we normally do at Christmas. And uh, you folks are the nevertheless people. We can't worship inside, so we're worshiping outside, nevertheless. We're going to show up and we're going to gather and we're going to just keep going on and choosing to live with this thing and make progress and take steps and do what we can. And I just want to thank everyone so much in the church who's done that this whole year. It has been quite a slog and we've had some of the most faithful people in this church. I also want to greet the folks up at our daughter church who are watching online, the Wild Rose Country up in Alberta. And they literally cannot meet with anyone outside of their actual household. They can't meet with brothers, sisters, or anything. They have to stay at home, period, in Alberta. And uh, they joked that, uh, hey, in Alberta, though, you can have 10 people at a funeral, so we'll just kill our turkey, and we'll have a funeral for the turkey, and we'll invite people over. So I just thought that was kind of funny. But we're so blessed to have them join us online. And we've got people joining us from all the way from the Philippines to uh, Holland to everywhere in between, Uganda. And for those of you joining us online, just we're so glad to have you with us here tonight as we celebrate the birth of Jesus, Christmas 2020. We're not going to forget this Christmas. It's a different one, and we'll look back at it. And I think we're going to look back fondly at the nevertheless faith that we had. We're going to look at the Gospel of Luke like we always do on Christmas Eve. Now, Luke, I'm so glad that Luke wrote his Gospel. There's four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And without Luke, we wouldn't have the Christmas story. And without the Christmas story, I doubt we would have developed the, the celebration that we've put together. It would be really different. It would be very different if we'd even pay attention to it at all. We'd probably pay attention to other things. But the Christmas story that Luke puts down, which isn't in Matthew, which isn't in Mark, which isn't in John, is an absolutely sublimely beautiful, beautiful story. One of the best written stories ever. And we're going to read from the Bible. I've got my grandpa's Bible here because Luke 2 should be read in the King James Version. That's just all there is to it. Uh, uh, the glory of the Lord shone round about them. It just sounds so much cooler than it. it was really light out there, you know. It's just not the same. Or, or they wrapped him in bands of cloth. It just sounds better with wrapped him in swaddling clothes. I don't know. I just like the, the King James language with Luke. The Good Samaritan, the Prodigal Son, the Walk to Emmaus, and the Nativity, the Birth of Jesus are the four crown jewels of Luke. They don't exist in any other gospel. We're going to do two things today. We're going to look at this story in Luke 2. The first part is a prologue. It's about Mary and Joseph. And I'm going to bring out the wood grain. We had a friend, Dan Bell, in seminary. And we lived in apartments that were made in, built in 1893 for the World's Fair in Chicago. And they had so many layers of paint that the rooms, I think, were getting smaller. Just layers and layers of paint on everything. And Dan Bell thought he would just start scraping off the layers of paint. And there was this beautiful woodwork underneath. So what I'm going to do is scrape off some of the layers of paint so we can see the woodwork. 
with Mary and Joseph, bring out the wood grain of the original story, and help you understand, Wendy asked me this week, what was real life for like for Mary and Joseph? So I'm going to kind of give you a little bit of color there. But the main part of the story is about the shepherds and us. Repeat after me, the shepherds and us. And a question. And that question is this. Are you and I living out our destiny, what we were brought here to do? Because that's what the Christmas story is about. It's not just about a baby born a long ways away, a long time ago, galaxy far, far away, whatever. It's not one of those things. We, we've got a story that really challenges us, and it asks us a question. Are we living out our destiny? Because that's why Luke wrote the story. So we're going to do the prologue first. We're going to talk about Mary and Joseph. What was life like for Mary and Joseph? Mary and Joseph lived in what is now Israel also called Palestine, also called lots of different things, Judea and Samaria and Galilee, all those different Bible words for that part of the Holy Land. And they lived there in a tri-cultural situation. This is really important to understand. They were Jewish people living in an area dominated by Greek culture. And Greek culture was like American culture. It just sort of took over everything because it was cooler and smarter and everything else. And everybody ended up doing Greek stuff. So Greek influence was big, but the Greeks weren't in charge of the government. That was the Romans. The Romans were the ones who invented concrete, invented big organized armies, and took over the world. And so it was Roman military rule. It was Greek cultural suffocation and really potent second temple Judaism. There's two temples in the Bible. The first temple is Solomon's temple. The second temple was Ezra and Nehemiah's temple. This was the second temple. The first one got destroyed. The second one was in full swing, and Herod just made this beautiful remodeling of it, and it was one of the most magnificent buildings in the world at the time. Second temple Judaism was very potent, and Jesus was a part of it. So Mary and Joseph were part of second temple Judaism, They were living in what is now Israel in a tri-cultural situation where they were Jewish, Greek influence, and Roman military, and with the Roman military came the taxes, big taxes, because the Jewish people, as they are today, were the most productive people in the Roman Empire, so they made the most money, so guess what? They got taxed, and you hear all these stories about tax collectors in the New Testament constantly. People just hated the tax collectors. Because these Jewish people were super productive, and they were very prosperous. And so the Romans said, let's basically live off of them. The biggest city in the world at the time was Rome. They had no industry there. They basically lived off of the taxes of the foreigners they'd conquered. So Roman citizens didn't pay tax. It was just the people they'd conquered that paid tax, and the Jews were the ones who were the most productive, so they were taxed the heaviest. And that didn't go over very well at all, so Mary and Joseph were heavily taxed. Joseph's household. He was the stepfather of Jesus. The Holy Spirit was the true father, was a stone contractor from all indication. And he had a lot of leisure time because he kept going back and forth to Jerusalem for big festivals. And it was a seven-day walk over, a seven-day walk back, and they spent a couple weeks there every time. So he had enough money to pay for those kinds of extended vacations. And He had a gigantic building, a city just across the ravine from Nazareth, which was called Sephoris, which is one of the biggest building projects in the Roman Empire. And I actually snuck in there. 
It was closing at five o'clock and they were closing the gate and I waited till the gate closed and I climbed over the fence and I snuck into Sephora. And I went through the, it was getting dark and I almost got stuck in an aqueduct and a bunch of stuff. It was really fun. And uh, it's this massive, massive building project in stone. Your typical Greek city with all the columns and all the statues and the whole thing. And this was where my guess is Joseph went up there to work. My grandparents, both sets, went up to Alaska to work during World War II, that kind of thing. They went up there to make some money. People moved to work sometimes. And he was up there at this building thing, and uh, he was of, according to Luke and according to Mark, uh, Matthew, Matthew and Luke, he was of the royal line of King David. In other words, he was royalty. If there had been a People magazine back then, he'd be in the royalty issue. So he was a celebrity of sorts, probably a widower with children. We're not sure, but probably. Probably had kids, and his wife probably died, which was very common back then. Childbirth was nasty, and a lot of women died in childbirth. Mary's background, she was a Levite because Zechariah and Elizabeth were close friends, and Zechariah was a high enough priest to go into the Holy of Holies and get his mouth shut up by God. So he was uh, definitely insider. So you get the priestly line, you get the, you get the um, royal line, and they had an awkward pregnancy. Now, Joseph believed that this was from the Holy Spirit because he had heard from an angel in a dream. Mary got a personal visit from an angel, and she believed it too. But how many of you think their family believed this? I don't think so. This doesn't go over well with the uncle. Yes, yeah, you know, we haven't really slept together, but uh, uh, this is from the Holy Spirit. I don't think that would work today. I don't think it worked then with relatives unless an angel visited you. So it was a very awkward, awkward pregnancy. And here they are going to Bethlehem, leaving Nazareth where the big work project was, going back to Bethlehem where he's from. He's from the royal line of David. Goes back to Bethlehem, and the whole family's there. And this is awkward, which is probably why they wanted to stay somewhere else. You just kind of keep it quiet for now and let's pay our taxes. They had to come all the way back to Bethlehem to pay their taxes to pay for the Roman army. So who thinks they're having a great vacation? This is not working out. Awkward pregnancy, got to go pay my taxes, and also the family's kind of, who knows how that's sitting. So prosperous people, pretty high-profile people, on their way down to, to Bethlehem. There's just a myth out there that Jesus and his family were poor. There's no indication of that in the Bible. Uh, there's a lot of indications that Jesus spoke with authority. A lot. He just spoke straight to people, and he spoke in his parables as the parables are from the position of management, not labor. It's hard to get good help could be some of the some of the parables. So anyways, awkward pregnancy and all this stuff was happening. So that's the prologue. That's not the important part. The important part is the shepherds, because the shepherds are the ones Luke wants you to identify with. When you're hearing a Bible story, don't you sometimes just identify with somebody? You say, okay, I kind of identify with this person. Luke wants you to identify with the shepherds. The shepherds, you and me. And my question to you is, are you living out your destiny? Are you doing what God would have you do in your life? Now, this year, we've just been surviving, doing the best we can, playing defense, just trying to keep everything together. We're all doing the best we can to play defense. But the truth is, we have to play some offense in life, too. we got to get some points on the board. And as I get older, I start to get more and more nervous. Am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Or did I miss the boat? Or am I slowly letting it slip out of my hands? And all of us deal with that. Some of us go into midlife crises over that or whatever. But what I'm saying is, 
you can tell when you're living out your destiny because it's like a Lionel train. If you've ever seen a Lionel train, there's these little toy trains, and they're really long, at least cars. And if all the wheels are lined up, it just rolls easy. But if some of the wheels aren't quite on the track, it skids. And some of our lives feel like that. We're screeching and skidding along or we're rolling along. And we want to be in a life that's rolling along, just rolling across the rails. So let's look at the shepherds. What's really interesting is they were watching the sheep just outside of Bethlehem. And who did that centuries before they did was King David. King David was in this very same field. We're talking a little village here, same fields. So anybody who reads this who's Jewish, this evokes King David. And King David out there practicing with his sling, you know, the whole thing, and uh, protecting the sheep. And what's really cool here is Luke wants you to identify with these shepherds from this small town because what he says here is being from a little place doesn't mean you can't do big things. And you can't be called by God to do big things. And you might think, well, there's no Wikipedia article on me, but that's not the point. We can do big things for God that get headlines in heaven that nobody notices here. And so what we want to do is we want to make sure that that Lionel train is, is rolling along nicely and that we're going along with what the Lord would have us do, not what the world wants to have us do. And we want to fulfill what we came here for. We don't want to die and just think, oh, you didn't know when to run, missed the starting gun, one of those Pink Floyd songs. You know, we don't want to be in that kind of situation. But Micah 5.2 says, you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah. This is centuries before Jesus was born. Yet out of you shall come forth to me the one who is to be the ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from old, from everlasting. So it was predicted by Micah that Bethlehem would be the place. It would be a small town, not a big city. It would be a little place. It would be shepherds. It wouldn't be the, the high and the mighty who are going to make this work. And King David was anointed king by Samuel, and Samuel was told, go to Jesse's house and look at all of his sons, and you'll be able to pick out the king. And he starts with the oldest one and works his way down. And they say, he says, it just doesn't feel right. It's like the Lionel train that isn't, isn't rolling right. This, isn't, this doesn't feel good. Is there another kid around here somewhere? And David, the youngest, was out in the field. The one that everybody overlooked. The town, Bethlehem, that everybody overlooked. The kid that everybody overlooked. He was out with the sheep. Who here feels overlooked from time to time by the world? We're, we're sort of out of the limelight. And what Luke says here is that doesn't matter. You can still do great things if you do what the shepherds do. So, basically, David was the littlest in the family, but he ended up being the giant killer. Because he had a heart after God, and he was called out to do that. Now, listen to what happens to the shepherds. The shepherds have a visit from a messenger. Now, I hate to break it to some of you, but angels do not look like precious moment statues. They really don't. Uh, angels are big. Angels are male in the Bible 100% of the time. Angels, whenever they show up, have to say the same thing. Don't be afraid because people are afraid. These are warriors. These are part of the heavenly host or the heavenly armies. And they show up with messages. And the Greek word for 
in Angelus, Angelos, we get Los Angeles, the messengers. It's the word for messenger. So God's messenger shows up. Gabriel showed up with Mary. We don't know which angel showed up here with the shepherds, but they were sore afraid. I mean, afraid to the point where your body hurts. Think about that. Who here has been afraid like that? I've been afraid like that a couple times surfing, where my leash breaks and I'm being held under and my knees start to shake, just literally just going back and forth. You feel it in your body. That's how afraid they were. So this is what angels look like. This angel shows up and they physically go into fear and they hit the ground like they always do. Wow. Anyways, they, uh, they hit the ground and the angel says, don't be what? Don't be afraid. And then the glory of the Lord shows round about them. Now, the glory of the Lord in, in the Hebrew of the Old Testament from Ezekiel is the kavod Yahweh, which is this big spinning fiery thing. Now, that gets people's attention when you're out there with your sheep. You imagine your eyes are kind of adjusted to the dark, and all of a sudden the glory of the Lord shone round about them. We're not talking about just, ooh, you know, it was, just, it was more like, and, and this is a big scary thing. And the truth is, when God comes to you through a messenger, through whatever, and gives you your life message, it's probably scary. There's a little bit of fear to it. Why don't I just play it safe? Why don't I just not do that? Why don't I just do what the world wants me to do instead? Why don't I go back to my sheep? Why do I want to do what the angels say? The angels say, fear not. And my favorite part of the Charlie Brown Christmas my very favorite part. It lasts about two seconds. Linus says, this is what Christmas is about, Charlie Brown, and he reads from Luke 2. And you have to watch carefully because Linus never lets go of his blanket until he says, fear not. It gets me every time. <laughs> I don't know why. I just watch him drop the blanket. Fear not. If you want to live out your destiny, you have to let go of the blanket and let it drop and listen to God's message. People say, I never hear from God's message. I'm thinking, God has more talk than we've got. Listen, we need to unplug our ears. We fill our minds with so much noise that we don't hear often what God is asking us to do. We're, we're not listening. Even our prayer life is just talking at God, not necessarily listening to, to what he has to say. And so listening to the messengers, fearing not, and then the heavenly host show up. And the heavenly host, that sounds like some kind of hospitality group. But host is an ancient English word for armies. These are the armies of the sky, and they fill the sky with these, these heavenly soldiers and they're all singing and shouting and doing their thing. Glory to God in the highest and peace, shalom to his people on earth. That's pretty cool stuff. So basically what I have to say is this. We need, if we want to live our life's destiny, we need to put ourselves in the place of the shepherds. We need to listen to the messenger. We need to fear not. And then we need to go. The shepherds said, let us go now unto Bethlehem. They acted on it. 
Some of my biggest regrets in life is when God has asked me to do something and I've ignored it and I didn't act on it. I heard it, but I didn't do it. And they just little things sometimes. But it can really hurt you if you don't act on it. So the shepherds listened. They chose not to fear. And they said, let's go to Bethlehem like the angels told us to do. The, the message for them was go to Bethlehem and see the baby and spread the news. That was their purpose. They weren't afraid. They acted on the message, and they moved. What I'd invite you to do right now is to take your little candle. Don't turn it on yet. There's a little, little switch there at the bottom. But the shepherd said, let us go to Bethlehem and see what the Lord told us about. That's in Luke 2.15. What we're going to do is we're going to light our candles. We're going to stand and light our candles. We're going to sing a couple of verses of Silent Night, and then I'm going to read from Luke 2. And then we're going to conclude with the singing. Now, with the candle lighting, I have a simple question. Go ahead and turn it up so you see the switch. I'd like to ask you a question. Your mission is to do the will of God by hearing it, choosing not to be afraid, and acting on it. And I would invite you, if you'd like to do that, to do something like the shepherds did. They went into the city. Stand up and turn on your light. And repeat after me, I will wait for the message. I will listen to the message. And I will act on it. Lord, I just pray that you would hear us as we sing. That you would clear our minds in the days to come. That our prayers wouldn't just be talking at you, but we'd be listening for you. You have a destiny for all of us. And we pray, Lord, that we would be receptive enough to listen to it. It might be for temporary things. It might be for permanent life purpose. It might be just something we need to do next week. And it might be scary. But like Linus, we need to drop the blanket and go get it done. Lord, we give you thanks for preserving us through this difficult year. We give you thanks, Lord, for giving us the fortitude and the nevertheless, nevertheless kind of faith to get through it all. And we pray, Lord, that you would hear us as we sing.
tender and mild, sleep in heavenly peace. like you to listen now to the words of Luke, the Christmas story from Luke 2. And now that we've looked at what Luke was trying to accomplish and draw us into the story to be with the shepherds, to get a feel for what Joseph and Mary were going through, we're going to feel the story come alive for us. My fondest wish is that you forget my message and remember this chapter. My job is just to bring out what I see in here, to bring out the wood grain. Three simple things. Be not afraid, receive the message, and act on the message. Verse 1. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus, the Roman emperor, that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage, the royal lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was, while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel, the messenger of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on, the, on earth peace, good, and goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, 
as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem, and see this thing which is come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste, and found Mary and Joseph, and the babe lying in the manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for this song that was written in a little village in the Alps when the organ was broken and nobody could make it to church because there was too much snow. So like Jessica, somebody pulled out a guitar and wrote this song. And Lord, we give you thanks for the people all around the world who are gathering. little nevertheless groups choosing faith letting go of the security blanket and listening for your angels speak to us in the days to come Lord we want to do what you want to have us do amen go ahead and have a seat and Jessica is going to continue to sing for us You guys toasty? Yes? We're going to share my favorite uh, Christmas song. This is called Mary Did You Know. Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day walk on water Mary did you know that your baby boy would save our sons and daughters did you know that your baby boy has come to make you new this child that you delivered 
will soon deliver you. Mary, did you know that your baby boy would give sight to a blind man? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would calm a storm with his hand? Did you know that your baby boy has walked where angels tried? When you've kissed your little baby, You've kissed the face of God. song yes why don't we stand one more time together I think we need to uh, let our little lights shine let's sing go tell it on the mountain together tonight go tell it on the mountain over the hills and everywhere go tell it on the mountain Jesus Christ is born. While shepherds kept them watching, more silent flocks by night. Behold, throughout the heavens, there shone a holy light. Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. 
I like this little light dance you guys are doing. Come on. Everybody. Shepherds feared and trembled when low above the earth rang out the angel chorus that hailed our Savior's birth. Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain, Jesus Christ is born. Down in the lonely manger, the humble Christ was born. And brought us God's salvation. That blessed Christmas morn. Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. Oh, we'll go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. That Jesus Christ is born. Woo. All right. Thank you, Jess. That was awesome. So normally what we do after our service is do a family blessing. And we usually come up and we hug each other and we pray over each other and lay hands on each other's. And we can't do that. But we're still going to do it. Just differently. So get with your family units, and I want you to lay your hands on each other's shoulders. So get, Wendy, I don't know where your family unit is. <laughs> he disappeared. So get with your family unit, lay your hands on each other's shoulders, and let's play, pray. Bah, let's pray. Father God, Lord, just bless each family here tonight. Lord, bless them with health, strength, and immune systems, Lord. Protect their health, Lord, so they stay healthy through the rest of this year and into next year. Lord, protect their bodies and their minds from outside influences. Lord, give them each the mind of Christ to see as you see, to hear as you hear, and to speak as you speak. Lord, bless them with abundant finances. Lord, it's been such a tough year. And so, Lord, we ask that you bless their finances. Lord, improve, strengthen, and just give them abundance. And, Lord, bless their vocations. Lord, so many of us have been furloughed. And so, Lord, help us to find new avenues, new callings, new vocations, if that's what you want for us. And Lord, just bless our call and our vocation. Bless the work that we do with our hands and our feet. And Lord, let us each be a light in this world to bring your message of hope, of love, of peace, of grace, of forgiveness, of healing to the world. And help us to start with our own family and our friends, our co-workers, our schoolmates. 
Lord, thank you for this evening. Thank you for your son. Thank you for the message of hope. And Lord, let us all be like the shepherds. That when you call and when you send that message, that we're ready to act. Bless us, Lord. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys, thank you so much for coming. We love you all. Have a very blessed Christmas, and hopefully we'll see you again on Sunday. Good night.